0: So what I want to share with you this morning is something that came to me this week. Um, I've been reading about Gideon in my devotions over the last couple of weeks. But um, on Wednesday morning, or Tuesday morning, I was just sitting and I was praying and I I just had God drop this thing into my spirit. I don't know if any of you are into surfing or skateboarding, uh, but there used to be a brand of, of skateboarding gear or surfing gear that used to be called no fear. Do you, do you, have you heard of that? So I just had this picture of no fear in my mind. And immediately I saw this image of surfers going uh, on those amazing waves in Hawaii. And uh, just felt God wanted to encourage us this morning, whatever wave we might be riding in the sea, it might be overwhelming, maybe you've been dunked by the waves, (laughs) maybe you felt like you've come out thinking I don't want to ride any more waves, Uh, but God says this morning, no fear no fear because he is with us. And so I just want to look at the story of Gideon and just how wonderfully encouraging that story is because we can see ourselves in the place of Gideon. I I certainly can myself. So no fear, faith to ride the waves. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so I'm going to ask a uh, Maddie, if you're going to, we're going to just look at a short little clip of, um, I don't know if, if you're into surfing, there's a famous surfer called Kelly Slater, he's, he's an, now he's an old guy, but he's still surfing amazingly, and you can see him coming, falling off his board, but then you see him riding these amazing waves, so just get some inspiration from this, and then I'm going to share some more. But... What I did want to say about that one of the things when I was watching a lot of surfing videos as I was preparing, one of the things that a lot of surfers said was that um, they had to learn not to overthink it, not to overthink what it meant to catch the wave. There's an intuitiveness that you had to sense when the swell was coming, enter into the wave at the right time, and then ride it. And you just have to. Go with no fear. If if there's fear, you just won't do it. And I'm sure there is fear, but you're not allowed to let that uh, dictate how you ride the wave. And I, I was just thinking, I really feel that's what God wants to say to us as a church. Uh, that there's a sense in which we can't overthink everything because sometimes we can just get stuck in our minds, stuck in our heads, going round and round in circles, overthinking things. Uh, But we are to ride the wave of the Spirit. We learn to learn that that way of listening to the voice of the Spirit and just getting into where He's taking us. So I hope this morning really encourages you. And I'm going to start off with reading uh, a passage from Judges, Uh, chapter six, where we we see the backdrop to the story of Gideon. And it's a a really, really crazy time during the history of Israel. Is is that up there? So, uh, Maddie, if you can get that slide. So, it says, um, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So, the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. And these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts, and they arrived in on droves of camels, too numerous to count. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking, Kev, if you had to do an epic movie of this, can you set the scene just like camels riding in the desert, just thousands and thousands of invading hordes, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Uh, the Midianites, very interestingly, they were descended from Abraham. I don't know if you knew this, but um, uh, after Abraham had his children, Ishmael and Isaac from uh, Sarah and um Hagar, sorry, he he had another concubine called Keturah, and had five sons with Keturah, and one of those sons was Midian. So he banished, well, he sent all the sons of his concubines to the east of Canaan, and so those people became almost a thorn in the side of Israel. They hated the Israelites probably because they had been sidelined and uh, that's why they were so vitriolic in their attack against Israel because of this history that they were also descended from the line of Abraham but were the disinherited ones. And so they were probably a bit like the Vikings. They came and they just took over, conquered, plundered and burned everything Um, and so they were a formidable... Uh, group of people. They were probably just a whole lot of tribes, Bedouin tribes, that were nomadic. And it actually says that in the history books and in archaeology, there's very little evidence of them archaeologically because they were nomads and they never had any uh, structures or any writing uh, or buildings that they, we can testify to them. And by the time of King David... There were very few of them left because they intermarried with all the other tribes. So this was a very particular time in the history of Israel that these Midianites were a really harassing group. And we see the effect that it has on the Israelites is that they completely retreat. I don't know about you, but seven years of being intimidated over and over and everything from being stolen from you, you would begin to retreat into a place where you felt safe. So they were hiding out in these caves, um, just terrified of this ongoing attack. And uh, isn't it just like human nature? It says, they were far from the Lord, doing evil in his sight. He allows this very terrible trial to come upon them. And at verse six it says, and they cried out to the Lord for help. I always think of how crazy it is that it's when there's something difficult in my life that I really cry out for help on a whole nother level and I seek the Lord much more closely. And it shouldn't be like that, but our human nature is such and that sometimes God allows a little bit of a unsettling in our lives, something of a, a trial to come because he wants us to call out to him and know that we are not to go life alone. We are not meant We are not fashioned to do life on our own. We are meant to do it with our heavenly father. And so this causes the Israelites to call out to him. And uh, I was thinking seven years of of marauding Midianites. Uh, We've not had seven years of things, but we've had some pretty tough things happen um, in our world at the moment. Uh, Obviously, there's this worldwide pandemic which has affected People on so many different levels, there's been an economic impact, uh, there's people with mental health, uh, things that have just found that really, really difficult in different ways, health things. Um, we, we're still going through Brexit and what? who knows how that's going to work out, so that's an ongoing thing in the background, and we've also seen the rise in, in the kind of a, a really ugly racism that's... T- maybe been simmering below the surface and now has come to the fore in, in different places across the world. So it's, it's a, which almost reminds me of what it was like before World War I and World War II, the same kind of nationalistic racism that's been rising up. And so we, we are in a cl- place in our history which is not, uh, not a very comfortable place. Uh, there's definitely a sense in which people are calling out to God and saying, God, Will you come and intervene? And um, it's into this context, just as it was for Gideon, that God wants to come and speak to us. And I really believe what he wants to say to us today, is, says, I want you to learn to ride this wave. I want to, you to learn to ride this wave. And you know what? You could, you could flounder in the wave and it can dunk you and it can break you. Or we can get on our boards and we can ride this thing, and it means no fear. And we can only have no fear if we understand, as the story unfolds with Gideon, who it is who says that to us, the God of all creation, the God who's watching out for us. And so, let's, it's almost like we've got this epic panorama, this backdrop, and like a good historical drama, it then focuses in on this individual story of Gideon, and we read about what happens to him. So it says in from verses 11 to 12, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash, Joash of the clan of Abiezer, And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So just some little comments out of that passage. And when it says the angel of the Lord came, uh, later some commentaries say that this actually was God himself in the form of Jesus. This was a theophany that God himself actually appeared to Gideon. And uh, why we say that is later on in the story Gideon says, "My eyes have been face to face with the Lord, and uh, I, I should be stoned for that." And God says to him, "No, you will not die." So some commentaries think that the angel of the Lord or the messenger of the Lord maybe was Jesus appearing to to um, Gideon. And then the thing that we learn about Gideon, um, he is of the clan of Abiezer, which was a really back end. Not very fancy clan, not not nothing to write home about, and they came from Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh of the twelve tribes, which was the smallest tribe. It's a bit like God appearing to a farmer from Crinkly Bottom, who lives in a a, like a little shed somewhere, (laughs) and He's saying, "Hail, mighty hero! (laughs) You're going to save the UK and the world, (laughs) farmer from Crinkly Bottom." So that's how kind of ridiculous the story really is. Not that if you're from Crinkly Bottom, I'm sure it's a lovely place. And we see in the story that Gideon is hiding in a wine press, trying to thresh wheat. So there's all these kind of strange ways that people are coping with life. On the picture there, there's an archeological picture of a wine press, which is basically a hole in the ground And you could see why that would be a good place to hide away and hope that the Midianites wouldn't see you trying to just make some uh, flour so you could have some bread. So he was hiding in this hole. And it's while he's in this hole that the Lord appears to him and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I would probably guess that uh, the kind of state in which Uh, Gideon was, and probably the Israelites at that time, if you had to find one word to describe how they were feeling, it would probably be fearful. They were really, really fearful. And so I want to just have a a think through, what does fear do? When we are hiding in a hole, when we've been under attack for a sustained period, the wave upon wave crashing on us, what does fear start to make us react like? So, I'm going to just chat through some of those things. Maybe you identify with some of these things in your life. Maybe you've seen the effects of fear for you. But the first thing that fear makes us do um, is that it makes us retreat into a hole. Fear always puts you on the back foot. Maybe you've been feeling, ah, I can't do the things that I used to do. I'm feeling like pressed in and hemmed in. So often fear can do that for us. Fear also makes us focus on our inadequacies and our weaknesses. Gideon, all he could see later on in the in the passage, he says, oh, but God, you can't use me. I'm, I'm from the weakest clan. I'm from the, the smallest tribe. And he already begins to focus on how he cannot do this thing because of all the things that disqualify him. And the same is true of so many of people of faith. Remember, even Moses said, God, I can't speak to the, to the Pharaoh. I stutter. I have a stutter. Why, why would you use me? Jeremiah said, God, you can't use me. I'm too young. I'm only a teenager. We all have things that we think are our disqualifications. And when we are fearful, We just think of those things. We cannot see what God can do. I want to say that fear says I can't, but faith says I can. Faith says I can. I also think that one of the things that fear does is it turns us into a survivor instead of a thriver. Sometimes I think during lockdown I felt like I was just surviving. I was just Waiting out the days, waiting out for something to change. And I don't know, if we go into a lockdown again, I don't want to go into survivor mode because there's something in us that just begins to shrink back and we're just waiting in this passive place. I really believe God wants us to find courage and to find that thing of, we've ridden this wave before. Whatever comes, if it's a big wave or just a little wave or a threat of a wave that turns into nothing, we need to be those that are going to say i am going to be the i'm going to be someone who's going to thrive on this i'm going to ride this wave i'm not going to let it make me just paddle in the shallows and then fear can make you cynical about life and it can make you doubt the goodness of god you know uh, gideon he asked after god appeared to him which was pretty amazing he there's a story of how the 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 angel of the Lord or the Lord says to him, Go prepare some food. Gideon brings it back to him, and the angel of the Lord touches it with his staff and it burns up. So, I mean, that's a pretty amazing sign, don't you think? If someone came and did that for you. And then we see Gideon saying, Oh, I'm not quite sure you want to use me, and I'm not quite sure yet. And we have the story of the fleeces, where he lays out the fleeces and he says, Uh uh, if it's if it's really you, when the fleece is on the ground, let the fleece be dry. Uh, when the dew is on the ground, let the fleece be dry. And then he does that again. He keeps doubting that God is going to be good to him. That God is going to speak to him. Fear makes us really cynical. Makes us cynical of other people. It makes us cynical that God has got good plans for us. It makes us basically it causes us to be someone that is completely hemmed in. It's like a prison. You become imprisoned by fear. And do you know what the source of fear is? Or shall I say, do you know who the source of fear is? It's the devil. He will come and he will try to work on your thinking, to try and make you feel inadequate, to make you think that God is not with you, and he will just come and push you back into a corner because he really, really hates it when you ride the wave. He really, really hates it when you find your balance on your board and you begin to really do those moves and begin to declare God's glory and his goodness and his purpose. He wants to keep you just paddling and out of breath and on the back foot. um, A few years ago, I, well, I often battle with fear, so I can tell, tell the story, we preach this, because this is my, often my battle. I have to de- deal with fear often in my life, and for different things. You know, if I had to ask all of you, maybe fear would look different for you. But for me, I was always uh, battling with anxiety and about different things. And then one morning I woke up, and the Lord gave me this picture of someone knocking on the door of a house, to the door to a house, knock, knock, knock. And I opened the door in, in my mind, and there was this man with a big parcel, and on the parcel was written fear, and he gave it to me. And in that moment, I thought, I actually don't want that parcel. I'm not gonna take that. And I closed the door in the man's face in my, in my mind, in my picture. And I felt the Lord say, you can choose whether you receive fear. You can slam the door and say, I'm not taking that. Or you can actually embrace it and take it back into your home and into your heart and begin to live with it. And that, that is always the image that God brings back to mind when I'm facing anything that makes me fearful. But look at how God comes Oh, I love God. He's so wonderful. Look what he does when we are fearful. Let's see what he does when he responds to Gideon, God's response of love. The first thing that it says, it says, The angel of the Lord sat down under the great tree at Oprah. He sits with us. He is completely present with us. Did you not feel his presence this morning when we were worshiping? Just so, so wonderfully. Well done, Emma and the guys. Just an amazing sense of being in his presence. Yeah, let's cheer, that was so wonderful. God comes and he presences himself with us. He is always with us. There is never a time when God is not with us. But there's times when you just know his presence in that quiet way that he comes and you know he's sitting with you. And we almost need to become aware of that when we know his presence is there because he wants to comfort us, he wants us to know that we are not alone. And then we see out of the story with Gideon, it also it's like God sees us, God noticed Gideon There were lots of people going about their business, but God came and he sat and he watched Gideon while he was threshing that wheat in the wine press. God sees you, God sees me. I just want that to drop into your spirits this morning. You know, you might feel, does anyone notice what I'm going through? Well, God sees, God notices. He knows every turmoil in your heart, every hope, Every dream, everything that you're trying to find a plan to remedy, God sees and he notices. And then he speaks. He speaks to Gideon and speaks to us. And he could have said a number of things to Gideon. He could have said, oh, you silly twit in that hole. He could have said, what are you doing, Gideon? I could give you a few other ideas of how you could thresh that wheat. He could have said lots of things, but he just begins to speak words of love, of affirmation, of comfort over Gideon. And that's what God does when he speaks to us. Isn't that what the prophetic is? It says prophecy comes to strengthen, to edify, to build up. And when God's prophetic spirit is happening in the church and through his people and through his word, he comes to build up his people. When God speaks, it's always to build us and to strengthen us. And then he comes to empower us. And he says to Gideon, he calls him a hero. He says he's, some translations say mighty warrior, some say mighty hero, and some say a man of valor or a person of courage. Isn't that amazing? He's done, he's really done nothing except hide in a hole. (laughs) And God says, you're a hero. (laughs) We've all seen some amazing heroes over this uh, past time with this pandemic, uh, the NHS staff. And I, I think let's just give the, all those frontline workers have been amazing and got us through all this. Should we, they might be out there watching or they might be here. Let's just give a big cheer because those guys deserve a great cheer. Wonderful. Yeah, well done. And uh, we wanted, uh, we've got something uh, we planned, we were going to do it during lockdown, but we 'll do it later on, just to honor the people in our church community who've really given of themselves, whether it's teachers or uh, social workers, whatever, there, there's people all over in our church community have really put themselves out to, to help um, during this time. But the Lord looks at every single one of us, and He says, "You are a hero." Gina." you are a hero. Chris, you are a hero. Gareth, you are a hero. Janine, you are a hero. Do you know that God doesn't look at how we are now? He looks about what he sees over us and what he's purposing for us. And he says, I see you as a person of courage I see you as someone who is a warrior you can overcome. I see you as someone who's gonna be a hero who helps change other people's lives. That's how God sees us. That's how he sees you, and that's how he sees me. It feels ironic when God calls us that, because we don't always feel that about ourselves, but God says you are a hero. And then we see God sends us. He sent Gideon out and he commissioned him to go and to do an amazing battle. And God, like Ab- uh, and taught last week, God has an inheritance for us that he wants us to take. Now, I can't uh, read the next passage for the sake of time because I'm aware I've probably been speaking too long already. But I just wanted to uh, tell you what happens in the next bit of the story, and I'm sure you know, God whittles down 32,000 people who sign up under Gideon's command, which is amazing. Farmer from Crinkly Bottom summoned all the armed forces of the UK. It's crazy. (laughs) That's how crazy it really was. And uh, he whittles them down under God's command to 300 men, and they basically write up the Midianites and there's a passage in that where it says Dave uh, Gideon says it says he he has God's word that God's going to give him victory and it says he bowed down and worshiped before the Lord and then he returned to the Israelite camp and he shouted get up for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes wow what a difference When God spoke, when he encountered God, when he met God, he wasn't cowering in a hole anymore. Something inside him rose up, and he took command, and he led those soldiers, and he spoke with faith. So I'm just going to end off with these things that faith does. Faith conquers fear. Soon as you hear God speak to you. Something in you clicks. There's a perspective change. The negativity changes to an energetic motivation. You feel you can do this. And what is it that God's been speaking about to you? Because with faith, you can. Because God is with you. Faith spurs us to do those things that we never thought we could do. Faith also makes us think of of the needs of others instead of self-protecting. You know, when we fear for, we're just me and myself and we're gonna make sure we're okay. Faith makes us think beyond that to actually our inheritance is those that God has given us and our relationships around us. Faith is a revelation of God's love and that he's always with you so that you can step out and begin to take your inheritance. We are gonna ride the wave. We're not gonna shrink back We're not going to cower, we're going to ride the wave as a church community. Now if you can see, I put that picture there where it says comfort zone and two feet standing there. And I just wanted to, as we end today, I thought it would be really great to actually do a demonstration of stepping out in faith. There's lots of things that we feel, this is where I feel comfortable. But faith causes us to step over that And to say, God, I'm going to go into that place where I rely on you, where I trust you, where I'm going to walk by faith because you are with me, you are speaking to me, you are standing with me, you are enabling me, you are sending me. So if you want to do this, you can, if you don't, you don't have to. But I thought, let's stand together as we end this morning. And I want you to imagine now the things maybe that God is stirring in your life, the areas Your inheritance is so unique for you. Maybe it's your children you're trusting for. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's for someone for healing. I don't know what it is. Maybe that you begin to see this church community uh, as a special part of your inheritance it says the saints are our inheritance. And we begin to see this church community move into more, into greater levels of faith and greater levels of seeing God move. And so I'm gonna uh, just begin to pray. And, uh, and then if you feel, just as a demonstration of faith, there's no power in it in itself, except that we are saying, I'm taking a step of faith this morning. I'm stepping up my comfort zone and I'm gonna say, no more fear. I'm gonna walk by faith. Is that good? All right, so, well, let's just do it. If that's you, let's take a step. Keep social distance and take a step. (laughs) And we're gonna declare this together. Father God, we thank you that you can help us ride the waves. Father, thank you that whatever may come against us, thank you that we are called to be those that are men and women of faith who have and walk in the inheritance that you have for us, that we won't drop that and leave that and shrink back from that because of intimidation or fear or anxiety. But Lord, today we say we choose to hear your words to us. We choose to find courage. We choose to be a community that rides the wave, that goes with confidence into all the things that you show us. And Father, we wanna pray whatever that looks like, that we would listen to your voice speaking. This is the way. Go in it. And with courage and faith, we say we will. Thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.